Welcome to Your Rights at Work. I'm Chris Garlock. Ed Smith is away this week. We've got two reports on today's show. We pay our taxes. We fight in your wars. We do everything we are supposed to do as residents and citizens of this country. And we deserve our autonomy and we deserve our statehood. So when I say hands off, you say DC, hands off. The message was loud and clear at yesterday's spirited rally protesting this week's move by Congress to block the implementation of new criminal justice reforms in D.C. We've got an audio postcard from the rally. We need to educate. We need to mobilize. We need to make sure that domestic workers understand Convention 189. Only if we make them free. We as women, all of us can be free. So let us walk together. Domestic work is decent work. Slaves no more, but workers just like all of us. Myrtle Whitbury started as a young domestic worker in apartheid South Africa. She became general secretary of the South African Domestic Service, an allied workers union, and was the first president of the International Domestic Workers Federation. From the Labor History Today podcast in honor of International Women's Day, Myrtle Whitboy, who died earlier this year, in her own voice and, as remembered, by the Solidarity Center's Alexis D. Simone. This is the final week of our winter pledge drive. Ed and I really appreciate all the support you've shown for this show and for WPFW. We know that you've got a lot of choices about what you listen to and where you give your contributions. So we thank you for listening, for calling in, and for every single dollar you've contributed to help keep shows like this on the air. Please, take a moment now to put this year's drive over the top. To make your contribution, give us a call, 202-588-9739-1-800-222-9739. You can go to WPFWFM.org and click on the Donate Now button. Please be sure to scroll down and select your rights at work when you do. You can also give easily on Cash App at dollar sign WPFW. Thanks again for your support. Here's today's show.
There are no exceptions. And there is no middle ground on DC's right to self-government. Later today, the Senate is expected to pass a disapproval resolution. It would nullify DC's revised Criminal Code Act. The president went out of his way to announce he will sign it. Shame on him. It would be the first DC disapproval resolution enacted into law since 1991, and only the fourth disapproval resolution enacted since DC achieved the limited home rule it has had for 50 years. The revised Criminal Code Act was duly elected, enacted by DC's elected government. Nonpartisan experts spent many years drafting it and holding three hearings on, these, on this bill. The DC Council passed it by votes of 12 to zero and 13 to zero. The mayor vetoed the bill. The council voted to override the, the veto by a vote of 12 to one. The bill, in short, was the product of a democratic process. Right. What is happening in Congress is undemocratic. Right. None of the 535 voting members of Congress were elected by DC residents. None of them are accountable to DC residents. Yet if they vote in favor of the disapproval resolution, they are choosing to substitute their policy judgments for the judgment of DC's elected leaders. They will choose to govern DC without its consent. The nearly 700,000 DC residents, a majority of whom are black and brown, are worthy and capable of self-government. Right. Today, we stand for DC so tomorrow we can fight for a better America. Because once DC becomes the next state, we'll be able to complete our democracy. We'll be able to humanize our foreign policy. We'll ensure that every single American, regardless of their zip code, has their constitutional rights yeah. and are able to be living as first-class citizens. A group of lawmakers who, for the most part, have never set foot in D.C. Now, I'm not talking about Washington. I'm talking about D.C. Folks who have never bothered to cross Pennsylvania Avenue and venture into Shaw or Brightwood or Trinidad or God forbid come across the Anacostia River to Deanwood or over to my single member district in Bellevue, far southwest in the Great Ward 8. Where are them folks at? Folks who don't seem to recognize or care much that there are nearly 700,000 culturally diverse vibrant tax-paying residents in this city who have no representation but are quite capable of governing ourselves and who deserve D.C. statehood right now. They claim that this vote is in response to the well-researched and data-supported revised criminal code. But we know that's just a lie. I mean, a political excuse that they're using to meddle in our affairs. Folks with a fetish for incarcerating people, particularly black and brown people, when it's been proven time and time again that longer sentences do not in fact deter crime. They ain't
actively seeking to eliminate women's reproductive rights and ban culturally relevant teaching on American history and eradicate LGBTQ rights in existence altogether. They ain't fooling nobody. Shame. They're endeavoring to assert their unsolicited opinions into DC's business and we are not falling for the okie doke today or any other day. Hands off, DC! We're demanding today that you keep your nose and your disingenuous concerns out of our business and keep your hands off of our city. The great Frederick Douglass once said, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. He went on to also say, power concedes nothing without demand. It never did and it never will. So we're going to keep fighting for D.C. statehood. We're going to keep marching for our autonomy because we know our cause is right, our cause is just, and if you think that we're going to back down, relent, or let you run roughshod over our city and over our people, then you're proving my point from earlier. You don't know D.C. It wasn't always this way. You see, even before D.C. was chosen as the federal district, it was argued that the inhabitants of the district should have a voice in the election of the government, which is to exercise power over them. And D.C. was granted a territorial government. So what happened? Black men got the right to vote. That's what happened. Black men got the right to vote in the population, the black population in D.C. from 1860 to 1870 almost doubled. They, that rise in black political power caused Congress to strip D.C. of our autonomy. And this act was cited as potential model for a national segregationist policy. So why is it important to know this history, our history? Because you can draw a straight line from those segregationists to McConnell saying D.C. needs adult supervision, to, to Biden supporting our autonomy with his words, but whose actions reinforce the idea that D.C. can't be trusted to govern ourselves. For the last few months, everybody's been patting me on the head and telling me that facts don't matter here on Capitol Hill, but I'm going to tell the truth anyway. This bill, including and especially the parts that are now being labeled controversial, are supported by D.C. prosecutors, defense attorneys, legal scholars, victim advocates, all 13 of our elected lawmakers, and 83% of the voters in the District of Columbia. Everybody who has read the bill supports it and understands how badly it is needed. We have one of the worst criminal codes in the United States, and we were this close to having the newest and best anywhere. 
Some of the congressmen and women who voted to disapprove of this legislation come from the 29 states that modernized their criminal codes half a century ago. Some of them come from states that have lower penalties than the penalties they are now calling soft on crime. And some of them wore lapel pins of assault rifles while they were doing it. What's happening here on Capitol Hill is not about public safety. It's not about keeping people safe. It is about keeping people in power. I wanted to get up here because I wanted to talk about D.C. statehood. At this point in time, it's not a Democratic issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's a human rights issue. We have over 712,000 mainly black and brown residents who reside in this city that have all of the uh, obligations of Americans as far as paying taxes, as far as serving on juries, as far as serving in the armed services, but not all the same rights. And in 2023, on this day right here, we're standing up to say enough is enough. It makes no sense that we decide that we need to go to Ukraine because we have to intervene on their behalf for self-governance if we cannot embody those principles right here in Washington, D.C. and affirm the rights of over 700,000 residents who deserve to decide their own future. So when I say hands off, y'all say D.C. Hands off! Hands off! Hands off! Thank you very much. WPFW is where you'll always hear the voices of the people. Please, take a moment now to make your contribution to our Winter Pledge Drive. Give us a call, 202-588-9739, 1-800-222-9739. Go online, wpfwfm.org, click on the Donate Now button. Please be sure to scroll down and select your rights at work when you do. You can also easily give on Cash App, dollar sign WPFW. Now, back to our rally audio postcard. This is a tale of two cities with wealth and power concentrated west of the Anacostia River in primarily white, wealthy neighborhoods, and poverty concentrated east of the Anacostia River in primarily black neighborhoods. In one of the richest cities in the world, not the nation, but the world, founded on the principles of justice equal and equality, Black, brown, Latino communities are denied access to the wealth and resources that surround us. Black communities earn less than one-third of white communities. East of the river, the average income is 38000 For white Washingtonians, it's 144,000 people. I'm talking about a different reality. White wealth is 81% times black wealth in this district. And when you cross the river, you come into beautiful communities living in a food apartheid with 160,000 residents only having access to three grocery stores. Coretta Scott King reminds us that all of the problems we face in trying to build a community and a nation of brotherhood, which is desperately needed, can be attributed to the three evils of our time, racism, poverty, and war, military states. Queen Coretta called these triple evils 
of our time can reduce to one word, which is violence. We can therefore say that violence is a disease that threatens to destroy the fabric of which our society was founded, undergirthing the fabric of love, understanding, justice, and peace. Racism means being deprived of human dignity, self-respect, equal opportunities for self-determination. Poverty can produce the most deadly type of violence. And in the district, we routinely see violence against poor people, black people, and brown people on a daily basis. It's systemic and routine. Queen Coretta reminds us that starving a child is violence, suppressing our culture is violence, neglecting school children is violence, discrimination against the working man is violence, ghetto housing is violence, ignoring medical needs is violence, contemporary poverty is violence, and the lack of the willpower to change this when you have power is the most sick and sinister form of violence. I'm not going to talk about how this Heard a criminal code is 120 years old, handed down to us from Congress in 1901. And I'm not going to talk to you about how we spent 16 years trying to figure out how to rewrite and modernize a criminal code that does not work. And I'm not going to talk to you about how we held three hearings over two years with hundreds of witnesses telling us exactly what to change and how to get it right. And I'm not going to talk to you about the dozens and dozens of organizations that put the time in to help make sure that we had the criminal code that D.C. needed. Because this is not about that. This is about power. Who has it and who doesn't? Who's going to use it and who can use it upon others? Later today, 700,000 D.C. residents are going to get treated like a bargaining chip. They're going to be treated this way like we have been treated before. All because we got a couple of folks that are scared about some 30-second ad that's going to get cut against them someday. This is about power. Kevin McCarthy's never going to show up on your ballot. Taggarty's never going to show up on your ballot. Joe Manchin's never going to show up on your ballot. This is about power. But D.C., you've got power. This is about power, and we have got to take it. We've got to exercise it, and I have all the confidence in the world that we will fight back against every element that we see. we got to make sure they heard us. Hands off! DC. Hands off! DC. Hands off! DC. This is the first time in over 30 years that the federal government is going to intervene to overturn laws passed by duly elected officials of the District of Columbia, elected by residents of the District of Columbia. And Congress feels that they need to come and say, no, we know better than what you know. And they don't. They're not accountable here. We don't know them. We don't see them in these streets. This is not just about Congress intervening with local affairs. It is a majority white body intervening in a historically black city, in a majority black city. This is not just about a criminal code. This is the fact that the executive of our country has failed to stand for DC statehood. And the executive of this city has failed to adequately address the root causes of violence. And it's easier to pick a fight about SROs 
and it's easier to pick a fight about the criminal code versus addressing the root causes of violence. And so we are standing here united, fighting for statehood, and making the case clear that the criminal code rewrite is sound policy, and it is what our city needs. Hands off. Hands off. This isn't about the criminal code, like my colleagues have said, but it is about so much more. But I want to talk about something that it is also about. It's about a history of racism in this country, specifically on the residents of the District of Columbia, because we are have been a majority black city with black power. And I'm not making this up. Congressmen years back and today have stated a city, a majority black city with black leaders in power cannot lead themselves. That is facts that they have put out there time and time again. So statehood is not just a human rights issue and a voting rights issue. It is a racial justice issue. And let me say, when we talk about crime and incarceration in this city, it is also, and in this country, it is also a racial justice issue. Prisons are a billion-dollar industry in this country. And black and brown bodies make up. That's right. Care, not cages. But they don't have an interest in not mass incarcerating black men and black women and brown and brown and black men and women. They don't have an interest. They want to mass incarcerate us. To work in prisons for free, a billion dollar industry. They know that the same thing, the same actions, we've been here before. The crime deal happened years ago where they said we're going to do a war on crime and it was a war on black people. That is the ultimate goal. If the ultimate goal was safety, I'm talking to Democrats and Republicans here. If the ultimate goal was safety, then we would be investing in education and our children. If the ultimate goal was safety, then we would have a health care system that everybody can access. If the goal was safety, we would have wages, livable wages throughout this country.
That was our audio postcard from yesterday's hands-off D.C. rally. More than a dozen people were arrested after they marched on the U.S. Senate as they protested congressional efforts to block D.C.'s criminal code overhaul. WPFW is where you'll always hear the voices of the people. Please, take a moment now to make your contribution to our Winter Pledge Drive. Give us a call, 202-588-9739, 1-800-222-9739. Go online, wpfwfm.org, click on the Donate Now button. Please be sure to scroll down and select your rights at work when you do. You can also easily give on Cash App, dollar sign WPFW. And thank you. And that's it for this week's edition of Your Rights at Work. Thanks so much for listening and for your contributions. Hey, there's still time to give us a call and make your pledge. 202-588-9739, 1-800-222-9739, or go online, wpfwfm.org. Click on the Donate Now button. Please be sure to scroll down and select your rights at work when you do. You can also easily give on Cash App, dollar sign WPFW. Mike Nacella and Kalia Chapman engineered today's show. I produced it, and you can find us on your favorite podcast app. Just search for your rights at work. See you next week. This is a public service announcement with guitar.